Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 177. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we are confounded by what exactly is the news this week, because there's like 43 things that sort of all rise to the level of news. Unclear. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad. And um, today we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about like a few of those 43 things, including impeachment and the elections and Iran and uh, a little sub p- bullet points of all of those things and oh our relationship with uh, working hours and oh gosh you guys what a what a lineup of topics we have for you today on fake the nation but what's more exciting is the panel we have for you you guys this is so exciting so i have worked with this one guy a couple of times. A couple of times, that's um, right. But it, but those couple of times felt like many times. <laughs> Each time was like 50 times, so it's like we worked together 100 times. 100 times. times. And... Um, and he's such a wonderful person. You've heard him uh, on fake. I'm uh, sorry. No, not on that. You've heard him on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me mm-hmm. alongside me, but then mostly alongside many other people. Because <laughs> we've only done the show together a couple times. We've only done the show together a couple times. Um, and uh, you will also be seeing him in 
the new season of Marvelous Miss Maisel's, uh, which I'm so excited about because, mm-hmm. wait, it's Marvelous Miss Maisel. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Maisel. Mrs. Yeah. Maisel, right, sorry. I think I always would add an S to that for no reason. I also like that you make her a miss instead of a missus. Ms. Maisel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an actor. He's a writer. Um, he's a stand-up that you can also see at QED in New York City on December 21st, which you should obviously be doing. Mm-hmm. And he's Peter Gross. Hello, hey! fake the nationers. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's what they are. Fake the nationers. That's fakers. That's correct. Um, thanks for doing this show. Sure, of Peter. course. This I'm is so exciting. Also, uh, he did a fucking hilarious turn in the show Living With Myself. Living With Yourself, that's right. Living With Yourself Mm -hmm. um, with Paul Rudd and it's fucking so funny so please watch that show in general but also specifically so you could see the few episodes that Peter was in because they're so funny. Watch the whole show and then during episode five, really watch it. Like really, (laughs) don't like walk in and out of the room. Don't do the dishes, like fucking actually pay attention. Um, And then, okay, Joining us on the other side of the table is, um, but politically not on the other side. Um, <laughs> not the far side. Yeah, no. uh, we have with us. Oh my god, he's been my friend for so many years. Um, we we knew each other's college sketch and improv comedy troops. Embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing, embarrassing that we went to college and, and did comedy there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It is, actually. Uh, And we were so idealistic. And, uh, oh, my God, one of the things I love about him, which is, you know, probably irrelevant right now, is that he's one of the founders of the Tank Theater here in New York City, which has been a cultural force um, for emerging artists, like, for fucking, what, two decades? Nearly 17 years. That's awesome. Fuck, man. Well done. Um, He's also the national campaign director at MoveOn.org. He's an author. He's just an all-around fan fantastic person and he's got a, a new hat that he's wearing that I'm so excited about it. Uh, his name is Justin Krebs. Justin, what is this new hat you're wearing? The new hat is running for city council in Brooklyn in 2021. Woo! Yes. <laughs> so you can still focus on the 2020 elections. I'm not stealing any of that brain space from you. <laughs> but as soon as we are done with those, and that's my my day and night work and through you know next November, uh, as soon as we're done with those, we have 2021 elections in New York and I'll be on the ballot. And That's awesome. uh, it's, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I tell everybody I know. Um, and uh, for Fake the Nation, like OG Fake the Nation listeners, <laughs> he was on a very early episode of Fake the Nation. And then for some reason, not on an episode for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the archives. Nation because of all the yeah. things that you said he's doing. That's why he was <laughs> know, on. Exactly, that sounds like a exactly. very He's busy also got gentleman. three kids. So yeah. what are you going to do? Um, all right, you guys, let us get into it with topic number one. Okay, you guys, um, let's talk about impeachment first, because just as we were, you know, on the subway to come here, Nancy Pelosi uh, made an announcement <laughs> that they're moving forward with articles of impeachment. <gasps> my pearls. <laughs> oh, my God. I had no idea that was coming. That's really a twist. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All the plot twists. Right. I mean, okay. I guess we all knew this was coming. Um is there a concern or anything about the speed? Like, you know, I guess they're trying to get a vote before Christmas. Um, does it, like, if this, let's say this wasn't 
Donnie. Let's say this was like just a regular, like a Mitt Romney type regular <laughs> was like Republican a, guy. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to say it's like a president who's in a box. It's like Schrodinger's <laughs> presidency. You can't tell what party he is. All you have is the details. Right, right. What would you think about the well, process? Well, yeah, that's actually yeah. A, a better um, a better philosophical yeah. analysis. <laughs> yeah. But so let's pretend he's some generic Republican and this is the speed at which we're doing this impeachment process. Would you find that troubling? I listened to uh, what was the one Republican witness yesterday? Yeah, Tur- I can't remember. Turley, the name. Turley. I was about to say Turkle, and I knew that was not right because I would have known <laughs> if it was Studs Turkle because he would still be talking. Um, and he he kind of made some good nonpartisan, non conspiracy theory points about the process that made me think, oh, yeah, you know, I have felt like it's good to get it all done before 2020 because you don't want to have the presidential election sort of going on while this is going on. And it felt like I was told myself, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a political argument. That's not really like a, a sort of like a good governing argument. And I kind of agreed with what he was saying in terms of that, in terms of the speed and everything but i also disagree in terms of the evidence i don't right. i don't feel like it's slow in terms of like like you can have a fast trial if it's pretty clear um uh and i also just feel like there's so much uh, there's so much else muddying the water that it doesn't feel like that's really going to like stick um because people think what they think no matter what and they think what they think for good reasons or crazy reasons so um yeah like i'm not i'm not like i wouldn't give this uh, impeachment like a, an a plus <laughs> Or a, a 10 out of 10, but uh, I like the I idea know. of like we Rating turn this it? into like, yeah. you know, America's Got Talent impeachment <laughs> yeah. edition. Is this and impeachment we're like, hot or not? Guys? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get real. Um, yeah, it's gonna get like a B, plus, but that's good enough. <laughs> Josh, it's gonna go to Tufts, I, not Harvard. You know, I, I would go the route of not that it's uh, too fast, but that it's far too slow. We should have impeached him years ago, and practically Ooh. speaking and politically Ooh. speaking, that wouldn't have happened, but it. The calls and the blackmail and the bribery around Ukraine were not the first impeachable offenses. They're probably not the last impeachable offenses. He is a litany of impeachable offenses. And so now that Congress is finally getting to it and showing the courage and the commitment to to take their constitutional responsibility seriously, uh, let's just let's just go for it. And I think the. The arguments about so, process like are, you, are pretty like false. You thought that there should have been an impeachment going really uh, after the Mueller report. Like we should have just launched into it. I, I, I mean, I think we should have had impeachments earlier than the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. But the Mueller report was one in a, a long series of corruption and crimes and enough evidence that Congress should have been investigating. Mm-hmm. And if Congress had investigated from a year and a half ago and now we're at this point – the Republicans would still say it was too fast or they'd say it was right, too slow. Right, they're right. not they're not good faith partners in how to discuss the process of impeachment. Not at all. But I, I did feel like listening to that guy, I was like, oh, I I, I could actually listen to someone like make this. an argument. Like somebody yeah. like mm-hmm. this make an argument uh, and sort of just engage with it and sit with it. Because I don't feel like I can sit with arguments, political arguments from the other side. And that in and of itself is kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my opinions and they're not really going to be swayed, but I would like to just be able to go like, oh, okay, I hear you, as opposed to like, get off my train, you <laughs> maniac, which right. is how I feel when you see like Doug Collins talk or, or, Jim or Jordan. Your Jordan, you know. Right, Joe Kenny. I think, uh, yeah, like whenever Bill Hurd was about to say something, I was like, oh, I'll listen to this guy yeah. because he was willing to at least mm-hmm. say this was not appropriate. You know what I mean? And so that... Like, at the very least, that needs to be, like, everyone needs to 
say that, you know, so and like they're not, and that's the what's crazy. Lowest level acceptable merit badge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is not appropriate, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah exactly. he checked in on Foursquare. Right, people exactly. still do but that. Like, and, uh, can we yeah. can we say that like that is you would expect the bare minimum from <laughs> from people? Like it's not it's yeah, not unreasonable it's like, to expect the bare really minimum. It's really not too much to ask. And yeah, <laughs> no, you can expect it has more. become too much to ask, you know. And so it's uh, the fact and I think the fact that this legal scholar wasn't like, you know, licking his balls, like was like, oh, this is nice. You right, know it didn't I mean? literally oh, show up with like a tinfoil hat right. on and be like, I am here, <laughs> but I am here under protest because I do not like to leave my bunker. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, but, uh, and I, you know, and the, the Democrats brought three constitutional scholars. I thought they all did an adequate job, you know, and, and, and in some more impassioned You're grading than constitutional scholars I'm right now. I'm now grading constitutional <laughs> scholars. This is an episode of The Voice. My chair has been turned. Um, and, uh, no, I thought Love they- Love Feldman's hair. <laughs> great hair. Noah Feldman, wasn't that his name? Yep. Yeah, no, God, you, you God, got Harvard, Harvard. You really great hair? Oh, yeah. Um, what was the woman's name? Uh. Baron. Oh, I know. she was. So, I don't even. I don't. It wasn't even, even an insult. That. It was not. An, it was a bad joke. It was a, it was bad, a bad joke. joke. The joke that she made for those of you who don't know, and I don't even want to fucking make this, put this more out into the world. But she said something like, "President Trump um, has a son. Can name his son Baron, but he can't anoint." him a baron yeah it was she was making the point that you know he's he can't behave like a monarch essentially right and i and i was like well i mean you know you took a like a literary you know um little turn of phrase there and that's fine it's just like you know i wonder if she has a friend who's like did you use my joke (laughs) how did it go yeah, thanks a lot, Bill. I used your joke. It's the one thing everybody's talking about today. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Except for, you know, it's interesting because I was like, you know, I listened to like some impeachment podcast or whatever, and I was like waiting for them to talk about it, and they didn't. And I was Good. like, thank you, impeachment podcast. Yeah. And You're now doing we did. Better. <laughs> You're doing better than fucking the thing I run. Um, okay. Uh, if there's only some responsible leader here to tell us what we <laughs> could and could There really talk isn't. Um, so, okay. So my question now to you is, we get a vote before just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. It goes to the Senate. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell, our buddy Mitch, uh, will take not. I think he'll take his time because I think he'll enjoy. And I don't know how how the rule the the parliamentary procedural rules work on this front. Can he drag it out to, so to the general quaint to election? Think that rules are an issue. <laughs> Oh my god! So 1990s. Oh my god! I was just really adorable. <laughs> um, no, you're right. Do rules even matter? Or can he? He can probably just like change rules, mm-hmm. like with a you know with the narrow majority that he has. Um, but I mean, I think there's like some notion that he'll drag it out. So th- whether or not we get it done before Christmas, I kind of feel like doesn't even matter because the Senate could just make it a miserable thing that drags out into. Right. I don't know. Can they make it drag out for like nine months? I don't know how that works, but it's possible. They totally could. And I, there's a difference of opinions among Republicans about what's going to be politically beneficial for them. Get it done fast so that uh, they can go back to doing whatever it is they do in the Senate, which, which is, is nothing? Uh, uh, rushing right-wing judges through and taking mm-hmm. up their legislation. Oh, yeah. uh, or 
Do which they, is way more important than McConnell. The judge thing yeah. is is really like if he could pick what he wanted to do, he yeah. would spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah. But so uh, it's unclear if he'll make it short, make it long. If you make it longer, does that allow you to bring in a bunch of conspiracy theorists, wipe off the tinfoil hats? Yeah. Uh, I, it's not clear that McConnell and Trump agree on that. Um, I, and it's not clear that we can understand what's going on in McConnell's brain. Yeah, that's what like I've learned. The thing, last thing I heard was like if Trump is sort of like forming. Go, be, stick with me on this. He's kind of making it up as he goes along, <laughs> and I think he's kind of—he's trying to sort of go from the gut, and I think he's making it sort of personal. Like he wants to be defended with his arguments. He wants, like, in the Senate because they control the Senate, they can you know make the rules and d- determine how things play out. So he wants to tell like his guy McConnell, like, this is how I want to be defended. So it's going to be a mix of McConnell. Probably because I've heard McConnell say things like, "We, you know, if they bring it over here, we have to take it up." Yeah. Like he's enough of a Human, sane person, yeah. you know, rules person on some level to be like, "We have to go through this." Also, knowing that it's never going to, you know, Trump's not going to lose the case there, so um, it'll be at least a month or two. I mean, I can see them like sort of kneecapping Bernie and uh, um, yeah. uh, Warren of, yeah. and um, and all those Booker people. Booker or Klobuchar. Yeah, people who have to... Um, to come back and vote. Because they also just stick around. It's not like they can... It's not a hearing where they can talk, right? It's like that they just really sit there sucks. and listen. I mean, that. But the, the funny thing, too, then, is... Um, is almost like handing an, an advantage over to Biden wh- because he doesn't have to come back to Senate and deal right. with anything. Or Buttigieg. Or Buttigieg. Um, but, the, but the funny thing, then Biden is the one of the reasons this whole thing fucking started in the first <laughs> yeah. place, you know, so then it's just the strange Everything's thing. coming up Biden. Yeah. Yeah. You just see him saying that. And it's like, is that a good thing? Is that a yeah. bad thing? Well, let's talk about those elections real quick. Um, Kamala Harris dropped out of the race. Were you surprised? I was shocked. I was I was surprised that it was so soon. I thought that um, she would uh, because the people who dropped out before her were what Steve Bullock, Steve Bullock and Joe Sustak. Days ago, who yeah. I have to admit, I knew who Joe Sustak was from. That's impressive. Yeah, that I knew who he was. Well, I do have to say when we worked when I worked for the Colbert Report, we did a better know the district with him and Stephen had him on, and he was like a guy who was like in our right. little zeitgeist world. So I knew who he was, but he was not. I'm, there were a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, he's not like did not a household name. But good dude, like Pennsylvania mm-hmm. congressman, you know, maybe not as liberal as, as some liberals would want, but decent guy. So he dropped out. Steve Bullock dropped out. So the people who dropped out, you were like, oh, right. I was yeah. just sort of waiting, waiting the for clock. you guys to drop. Like but I'm in Tulsi Gabbard should be dropping out. And, yeah, you know, that's which a whole is other a whole can other can of worms. Can of worms. <laughs> know, exactly. But anyways, but just like. No, see, candidates that are very that have no traction, obviously yeah. no traction, yeah. should at this point be dropping out. Right, and I mean the 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 weird thing is like if you somebody like Steyer or Bloomberg, if you wait to get in, then you don't drop out as early as Harris, who got in months ago. Yeah, um, because they they sort of like people are still like, oh, I'm discovering who Tom Steyer is or Mike Bloomberg. You know, like there's, right. but I do think it's sad that like her. I, there's so many things that happen in politics where they're 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 little Shakespearean dramas or people's faults become yes. their weaknesses their weaknesses become their strengths or vice versa and and her like she's an African American woman who got elected statewide in a huge state and she, but she had to sort of like be tough on crime to get there even at all as yeah. an African American woman being tough and on then crime that be the thing liability. is a liability to her own people yeah. not even like oh the. The, the Republicans are independents you're trying to yeah. like, convince turned on you. It's like her own people in a weird way turned well, on Well, my I have- 
had a little thought, which was that maybe there was some backroom dealing about a VP. <laughs> I don't know. Is that? I don't know. That's interesting. I, I, That's got to be her angle. I mean, I she's, mean, she'd yeah, be I, mean I feel like maybe they had a chat. Like, maybe she had a chat with well, somebody. Lots of white guys who with could who? be. <laughs> well, with my buddy Elizabeth Warren, I would take that. You take that. You know, I don't think... Um, it's not clear where Harris's three to four percent go, right? It's not like she was polling 10, 15 no. percent and it's right. totally game changing. No. She has a big name leaving. It's going to help some people, but it's not like her getting out of the way means a Warren surge. Um, it does. It does. I, I don't know. It feels sad to me. She wasn't my favorite candidate. I thought she was great in the debates. I thought she had a lot to offer. And it is like. Uh, you know, uh, reflective of the greater world that a whole lot of really mediocre white men, some of whom are rich, are allowed to stay on stage longer than uh, a woman of color who has accomplished a lot. Even if not everything she's accomplished, you agree with. It's like she clearly has a track record in uh, in city, state, federal work Mm -hmm. that that should be part of the debate. Right. I mean, I think the the really, yeah, again, the the thing that's so sad is that we're – Somehow penalizing a woman who has a lot of experience, you know, and we've done it before and here we are doing it again. And I and I think the thing that just truly broke my heart is I I guess mine is Tulsi. I think any woman we lose from the field (laughs) Mm -hmm. is just like breaks my heart a little bit um, just because I'm like. This should really be a half and half stage, you know. It should. Yeah. It just should. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm not. I'm not. Hen- I'm not accepting it anymore. The the stage isn't half female. Like I'm just. It's not right. Reasonable. It'll never be okay until it is. Yeah, it'll never be okay. You also, I tell this to all my Democratic uh, and liberal women friends, is like get ready for the first female president to be a Republican because it's no, just know. like that. Nick- that's Nikki just, Haley is Nikki just Haley. like putting her for shoes a while. On. I thought Joni Ernst, and then Nikki Haley. I thought maybe too but i just feel like it's more it's just more likely yeah margaret thatcher i mean it is more likely i think i also feel like i i I said this to my wife yesterday i wonder if the fact that hillary lost and uh people on some back of their brain not conscious level are thinking uh you know a woman lost to trump right and there's so many uh the, the theory of like oh we need another like white guy to go up against the white guy some people probably think it quite explicitly. Other people are probably, you know, it's like hidden in their brains a little bit. And I just wonder if it's if it's harder on women this time. And also, when there are more women, there's not the thing of like, well, let's all women, let's all get behind this woman. So it's yeah, it's sort yeah. of spread no, out yeah. and dissipated. Which, is, should, which it should. It should be a normal, regular There's more than thing one African-American. There's more than more, one woman. Yeah. Like you can, she couldn't just like pull a bunch of people into yeah. a single camp idea no. or, or uh, by uh, identification. Or no, whatever. no, no, by demographics. Yeah. Um, I also just want to say um, that there's that, that's been, and I've said this before on the show that like, you know, maybe because there was a woman, we can't. It's like voters are like, well, we can't have a woman. Yeah. Or, we already tried that. Please. The <laughs> other one is we had a woman because we're so fucking ready to have a woman. Right. So let's really do it this time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like there's let's just look at it in a glass half full kind of way, which is aren't we awesome? We had a female fucking nominee major party. Mm-hmm. And one by three million votes. One by three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we lived in a normal country <laughs> with regular rules, if we didn't have uh, if we didn't have slavery, we'd have Hillary Clinton would be our president due to the electoral college. <laughs> Does any other country have anything similar to the electoral college? I mean, other countries do have. Uh, 
convoluted parliamentary systems right. where, where you know, Boris Johnson wasn't elected by right. the right. people exactly. of England. He's he was, just an MP who is the right. head of, so you know if you're voting for conservatives. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, you I, don't even know in advance that you'll necessarily get him, right? When you're voting for your Right, MP. you go vote for your MP. Right, and then you sort of are like, I hope these guys make the right choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course they will. They're, they're professionals. <laughs> I am, I'm thinking about what you're saying about, you know, this, this need that some people have, like, oh, well, we lost with a woman. We Got to have a white guy. And, you know, you look at history of the right. Over the last 20 years, Democrats have only won when they've run white guys. Sure. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's the dumbest argument imaginable. <laughs> it is the dumbest argument. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. also hard to, to judge, like, but even even that, it's be like, she, so she's a, 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 a black person. And she's, but then, like, you're like, well, she's not as good as Obama. Like, you're, and, and, like, I feel like it's difficult. Obama set the bar very high. Except for, is she not as good as Obama? Who said that? I I don't, I'm not saying that. I feel like I've heard that, like, Obama was this, like, you know, he's, he was a very special figure at a very special time. And I feel like if you, this, I could be just pulling this completely. (laughs) You are. But I feel like there's something (laughs) out there where, you know, I think it happened with Clinton too, where like Bill Clinton was very dynamic and great. Mm-hmm. And then you had like Al Gore and John Kerry. And it was like, well, I don't know. They're good and they kind of believe what they believe, but they're not that exciting. Mm-hmm. And I think the same with Obama. Obama was really great and got everybody up here. And if you didn't feel that way about the next person in your party, you didn't, you're just not going to feel as good. Like right. Clinton did not make people, as many people feel. The way that Obama made people feel. And it's a lot about how you make people feel. And I feel like there's like that's why you feel like it's going to be like Bernie or um, or Warren just because of the feeling, feeling thing. Feeling you know, thing. like Biden doesn't make people feel no. he's like a By the safety way, his new, nervous his new slogan thing. is uh, no malarkey. <laughs> no malarkey. No malarkey. I actually thought that was fun and cute and like self-deprecating and whatever. I thought that was fun. It's it's super Iowa, too. It's yeah. so Iowa. Yeah. I also just love that that uh, term, malarkey. I think <laughs> yeah. it's like a great. I want it to be in, like, common parlance. You know, it's funny. It's maybe, you know how, like, uh, when when uh, people name their kids after grandparents? I don't mm-hmm. know if you have done that, either of you. But, like, that brings old names mm-hmm. back, back to a new. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, Sadie's, and my son's name is Abraham. and My daughter's name is Sadie. Yeah, and, like, Rose. <laughs> and there's a lot of, like, grandparent yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if, like, malarkey is going to become a new millennial term yes. because it's such a grandparent term. Yeah, totally, it's gonna, like... totally. Um, and I just want to say in closing here that uh, Trump went to a NATO um, 70th anniversary, like, meeting. And then stormed off. And then yeah. And then left under the cover of night um, <laughs> and canceled uh, the, his last press conference. Um, so I guess he overheard um, or peeps up. It was overheard that the other world leaders. <laughs> oh. This was so ridiculous. This is why, by the way, Peter Gross has been on Veep. Uh, you should watch all five seasons of it that. It looked like Veep. It, it totally did. Like Tol- it was shot like Veep. It was like, I was like, oh, that's Bo. One of our cameramen <laughs> is like shooting this episode. <laughs> You know, because uh, it was like it was like Trudeau and Macron, and I don't remember the two. Boris other, Johnson, Boris Johnson, Johnson, right? Even Boris Johnson, who's yeah. supposed to be his, Trump's bud, well, they're all standing in like a thing talking, and well, you know, Boris Johnson nervous. could be in a place where so, where they're making fun of someone else. He's like, oh yes, I, I'd also like <laughs> to be on the other side of the making fun. Yeah. And uh, and and, it, and it's funny because the making fun that I heard, I don't know if there was other. I was kind of out of commission yesterday, um, but the thing that I heard was that Trudeau said something like, "Oh yeah, Trump was like forty minutes late because of because he started out with a press conference or something." Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "That's it, 
That was the the the, the thing that they gossiped about that the Trump canceled a press conference and then left early. They just weren't even very good at gossip. I know. I was like, at. guys, there's like seven thousand things you could say about this man. You could start with the hair. You right. know, that's like the, uh, let me gossip for you. What yeah. is wrong with you guys? So, anyways, it was the most mild gossip that then led to well, that's such one a of the counts of impeachment. Reaction. It's going to be obstruction of justice, <laughs> late to press conference. <laughs> um, all right, you guys, let us move on to topic number two. Uh, that is actually, by this point, topic number four. Okay. Um, let's talk about Iran. So this has been happening in I the last... I knew you were going to make us talk about Iran. <laughs> this is this show has such an agenda. It's two Jewish so guys. So bald. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Called in. Um, Why don't you lecture us if that's what you want to do? <laughs> No, here's the thing, though. It's what's weird. I mean, I've been waiting for this to break news, to make news at all um, for like a few weeks now because it's been going on for several weeks before anyone has talked about it. And part of the reason – so what happened – this is what happened. What happened is they tripled the price of gas. Um, it's actually – Like a sh- in a snap, In a snap, right? yeah. yeah. And that actually – you know, that has a huge impact on the price of literally everything mm-hmm. else. And I just as a – some context for that. It's not like things were fine and then they tripled the price right. of gas. Things have been steadily miserable because, um, in large part, because of U.S. sanctions, pulling out of the nuclear, uh, the Iran nuclear deal. And so, you know, in speaking to my relatives uh, who had re- recently been in the country, they were like, oh, the price of bread, the price of you know, eggs, blah, blah, blah. So the price of just regular goods, um, necessities has steadily increased and made things extremely untenable. And, and but the one saving grace is that Iran is a huge oil producing country. So gas was always cheap. So then even when something like bread was very expensive, it could be transported on transportation that was inexpensive. And it's subsidized as well, right? Right, it's, uh, right by the state. So, um, so the idea that a major oil producing country would then suddenly have triple the price of gas is like insane. Uh, people It'd be t- like expensive potatoes in Idaho. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so people took to the people took to the streets. They started protesting, but the pro- the protest you know started replicating in other cities. First, there was Tehran, then it was, uh, I think over a hundred other cities started doing it, um, and they started getting. Intense. I mean, the Iranians have a really, really good track record of like peaceful protests. It's what you know brought us the 1979 revolution. Very mm-hmm. few people died in that one, and I know that it gave us a terrible regime. But just the the literal act of protest there was with like roses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so they have a, a track record of like peaceful protests. But in this case, the government really wanted to crack down. Um, anywhere between 200 and like 400 people have been killed um, by the government. Uh, and in that time, they shut down the internet. So right. any kind of community... So uh, as a as a, an Iranian-American with most of my family there, I just had no information. Um, we... And then the... Just on a personal note, my 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 aunt is um, she's very, she's very sick and she's in the hospital. And so um, the only contact that we had was about her. And we didn't you know, we we didn't even ask about the other stuff. Um, but also 
when we when we call uh, our family, we don't ask about the other stuff because it's not safe. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't feel like it's safe. They feel like their phones are tapped. Right. And so we never we never talk about those things. And Have so, they always felt like that? Yes. Or they felt like I mean, that I, I mean, in my whole life, they'll they'll just even if I mention. I mean, I'm in the, I. Figured this out too by mentioning something once on the phone, and then in, they were just immediately like, um, "It's blooming season on the tulips or whatever." And I was just, like, "Oh shit!" You know. Um, so uh, so those so strangely, even though I am someone that has family there, they're also very you know they're very um, conservative, as in they're not like active protesters. You know, that's not their their jam. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, they're you know they're very safe and not going to talk about it. And so I have almost less information than you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so what do you guys make of these protests? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I, I don't know what to... I mean, this is one of those strange topics because it's like, it, there's also very little reported. Right. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of horrifying that... that uh, I mean, obviously, it takes people getting killed for something to rise to the yeah. level of, like you're saying, it's been lasting for a long time. But um, I also read there was a story about uh, there were like 60 or 75 people killed that were just like taken out and executed in, in like round. And it's that kind of um, like random street fire and like indiscriminate stuff. Yeah. Is different than like, hey, you go take those people and round them up, specifically yeah. round them up. I mean, that's like incredibly brutal. And yeah, I, I don't know how. Um, I mean, everybody compares it to like, what are our goals there? Like, what's the mm-hmm. U.S. filter? And like, someone like put that aside for a second and yeah. just talk about like how horrible it is for that to be happening at yeah. all somewhere. Well, I mean, like. Do- do you uh, do you f- see the Iran nuclear deal playing into this? Uh, so, so I move on. We were huge supporters of getting the nuclear deal in place. Yeah. Um, it was actually like the biggest grassroots work we did of 2015. And so I think kind of to your point, like I, I almost want to like put my political American perspective lens and then I'm just not sure. Like yeah. there's a lot that is happening in Iran that was happening regardless of the nuclear deal. Clearly um, being pulling out of the deal and reimposing the sanctions and making life harder there does create these spots of tension and that the the openness that seemed to be promised in 2015, 2016 um, was going to always be a long road anyway, but uh, this does not feel like it is on that road, either from what's happening within the Iran regime, what's happening with our relationship, what's happening with our actions. So um, I think it's like it would be a little too... Uh, pointedly pedantic of me to be like, see, if only the policies that I had wanted here happened, right. those people wouldn't have been shot. That doesn't feel Correct, real either. Right, because it's, but we're it, talking about the same government. Yeah. But, that, but it doesn't feel like we're doing anything that's helping. It does, it does feel, it feels strange to me that people like, and this is something where you can put, you could put this squarely on somebody like John Bolton, even though he's not around because he just goes around talking about regime right. change in Iran and how he wants it to happen. Uh, and then he like doesn't get invited to things, right? Like, are there meetings where Trump is like, "Don't bring him," or like to North Korea because he likes, you know, he like he hates Kim Jong Un, and, and Trump is like, "I want to be buddies with this guy." But um, like, we already put pressure on them, already brought them to right. the table, already had a deal that already was putting them in a position of having to concede some things. So then you 
and they were that. following the rules. They were following the rules by international standards. Yeah, Everyone, so that happens all the for, other parties to the uh, deal. You yeah, know, and yeah, it wasn't just us; it was us and and the European countries and everything. And also, like, also from the American perspective, like, yeah, they need Iran too. Like, they're they're allowed to have their relationship with Iran right, that we're right, not right. part of. You know, it doesn't have. We don't have to like insert ourselves into their relationship with Iran. But the so all that is like ostensibly working, and obviously, like you're saying, it needs time to bear out and, and see how well it can work before you make radical changes. But then, you know, it's the feature of term limits and everything. Here is like you come in and you just completely wipe all of that out, and then you think. The, the the idea that you would then reimpose even stricter sanctions and then be like, well, now you have to come back to the table and accept even less is it's a little hard to swallow. Right. Because it just you're going to like you've gotten somebody to a good position. Then you're going to like push them down even further and like rub their face in the mud right. and then be like, now come to us. It's no, such a bullying the and then, and stature. Then, and then weirdly um, have to turn the other way at human rights violations, you know, by by being bring bring people to the table who have, you know, um, committed such severe human rights violations. So it's it's also it's weird on that front, too. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And also, I mean, any time that we express uh, solidarity with uh, the people, uh, um, you know, who are uh, protesting in yeah. Iran, it, it obviously doesn't help. <laughs> Uh, and, but we need to signal to them somehow that, like, it also rings a little false, and it's meaningless. Yeah. I mean, so far it's totally meaningless. And, and also, like, with it's happened in you know a country like Syria or any of these countries where, or even like Iraq, you know, with Saddam Hussein, it's like we were like we don't want this person, but we'll take anybody else without doing any research into who they are, <laughs> and then like, like yeah. and then they they come to power, and you're like, oh god, I, these people are not great either. Yeah. So you know, I don't even know who the opposition is in Iran. Obviously, there's some democracy movement. It's like a, you know, it's a sophisticated, intelligent country with lots of, you know, it's not Syria. It has like an infrastructure. There's like a lot of people there as intellectuals and all that. So you could get something good, but you could also get something terrible. The, the last two years also just us pulling out of this deal so un unceremoniously just makes it hard for us to have any credibility about anything we're right. saying or doing in the region because we've just burnt the trust. And so it's like, you know, not that we are causing what's happening there, not that we could prevent what's happening there, but even statements of solidarity or or uh, efforts to try to engage in any way would just be met with um, justifiable skepticism from anyone around the globe. Yeah, and yeah. same with all the trade deals and everything. Yeah. Like, you know, I, that's what I feel like. That's the biggest thing. If I could talk to just somebody who was, like, kind of on the fence or had voted for Trump, you know, my biggest argument would be, like, so, you know, Republican, Democrat, that stuff is going to come and go. And that's that's all normal. That's all within like the fat part of the bell curve. We are in an outlier where do you realize that we are a joke? People yeah. are talking about our president behind his back and making jokes about him. We, Our allies can't trust us. Um, the There's no credibility for like what America uh stands for and you could argue that a lot of that you know international policing stuff maybe that's not so great but at least the like we believe what we say and we uh um you can trust us that is being completely thrown in the toilet because nobody believes anything that this administration says or or does there's no consistency there's you know it's like um that is that's the most destabilizing thing i think one of yeah. the most destabilizing things yeah um and i and I uh, and I want to and want to point out too that that's kind of like our takeaway from NATO was exactly that that we're outside of the fat part of the bell curve yeah. because 
Macron said something like, we can't really depend on the Americans anymore. And so uh, it's interesting because we also have this expectation from like, you know, less rich countries like Iran to 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 just treat America like it once was, you know. Um, But even they're like, no, 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 guys, like we too see how ridiculous this president is. Um, So, yeah, so it becomes it makes diplomacy impossible. And and that that kind of. And and sadly, that's like also part of their strategy is like Trump will say diplomacy doesn't work. And then he'll like break it further and then say, see, I told you it didn't work. It's like the same with the economy. It's like the economy's not working. Let's make it worse and give out bigger tax cuts to billionaires. And then let's cut food stamps to 755,000 people because the economy's not working. Yeah, exactly. All of this is like a self-fulfilling prophecy of further breaking tools and trust in government. And then like a politics of I told you so. See? Told you so that Macron was la- laughing at us. Yeah, he is yeah. laughing at us because you made him laugh at us. Right. right. That's not. That's not. He's a laughing thing. at me because I act like a fool. So that makes me act more foolish, and yeah. then he laughs at me more, and then I can point out how what dicks the French are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> and, it's like and abuser it, behavior. It's like <clears throat> that's the psychological yes, game of like yeah. an abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, I don't. You know, my point here is that. <laughs> that uh, this was a this is a a strange topic because also we don't get the full reporting because they shut down the internet but then they opened it but then whatever so th- they've they've uh, uh, admitted to some of the deaths but not not the full picture we don't know we don't know and i don't know do how do you this- see that there is possibility for like could you picture some kind of change in iran yeah. that would actually um, lead I, I, to a more, you know, democratic elected. And I want like, to point something out, too, about the regime, which is that it's um, there's a, it is like nominally a democracy, right? People go, they vote. It's like it's, a theocratic a democracy. But it's a theocratic democracy. So yeah. so there's a there's an Ayatollah whose vote, you know, overrides everyone. So it's as if Queen Elizabeth's vote right. could override everyone. Um, and so and whether and. Oftentimes he does nothing. He lets the parliament govern and all that stuff happens and it seems very normal. And then other times he's like, no, I control. I'm going to go ahead and tell the military to be a bunch of, you know, dicks. In, um, and so that's what's that, – that's the the sticking point of this democracy is that – is this um, – you know, this theocratic override. Right. Um, so, so it's something, so you Can't look you at get people, like a cool Ayatollah, like a <laughs> know, cool substitute teacher. It's like a really well, decent and you guy. Look, like, and you look at people like Rouhani, you know, that, that people are like, oh, he's kind of like a, you know, a reform thinker and all that. And he is powerless in the face of that. So it's very hard to, I think, like last time I was in Iran, I definitely had that feeling of like, oh, this is unsustainable. Everybody's bursting at the seams. Like they can't handle this level of repression. Mm-hmm. And the, what these kinds of regimes do is that they tense up and then they, uh, they, you know, so there's these crackdowns where everyone's like not wearing lipstick and pulling their scarves extra mm-hmm. low and all of that stuff. Um, and then there's moments where they like let loose a little and mm-hmm. then they let the pe- – and so people sort of start feeling kind of free and cool and they're – 
And they all have internet. They are all educated. They have like the highest rate of degree attainment. Mm -hmm. These are not people, you know, who have been denied that. Like I think in North Korea, they have been denied that, right? right? So they don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. In Iran, that is absolutely not the case. They're multilingual. They're very cosmopolitan. They're extraordinarily educated. So I think it's hard. And they have a history of like, of like almost like the Chinese where they're like a culture where it's like we have everything. We don't need an outside. They have thousands of years of like thought and culture and all this stuff. I mean, the internet turned off. I mean, they're just missing fake the nation. That's like the, one of the micro tragedies of all <laughs> Guys, this. Right? They're like, we have um, our, our one, our one Iranian <laughs> woman in the United States who has, it's her. And is Christian Amanpour Iranian? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the two of so your speaking national of which, heroes. We're going to, thanks for talking to me about that confusing thing, which I think was nerve wracking for all of us. Um, <laughs> but, I just uh, hope it gets better. But and, obviously. and I just like, please think about um, the many, the, uh, the the many people we have there. Anyways, I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Let's edit out no, the crying. Just like... <laughs> no, keep it in. <laughs> you have family there. It's real. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. It's a real issue. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway. So. Um, oh, but what I did want to point out before we go to break is, um, th- and this is related weirdly, um, is there's this really fantastic book out, and I hope you guys take a look at it. It's called Muslim Girls Rise. And inspirational champ inspirational champions of our time um and it's like a really gorgeous nonfiction picture book for young from young girls that introduces uh readers to 19 powerhouse muslim women um and uh, weirdly, I'm one of those yes, women. Of I want to illustrate it. I'm, I'm illustrating. Awesome. I had nothing to do with this book at all whatsoever. I just got it. I just received it. a copy. Yeah. Uh, no, and and I was so um, absolutely thrilled that the author is uh, Saira Mir, and it's illustrated um, by Aliyah um, Jalil, and it's so beautiful. And anyways, I think it would make a fantastic Christmas gift or a Muslim Christmas gift. And uh, so anyways, I again, I have nothing to do with this book, um, just that I'm in it. But, like, I had nothing to do with making it, but, but it wasn't a part you. of the choices or anything. I'm just very honored and, and blushing, and I didn't have a book like this when I was growing up. Yeah. So if you uh, – so for any uh, young women out there looking for role models, um, please buy this book for them uh, because I think it, the, the – the, I, I, it's I'm like the ridiculous person in the book, but the other 18 are – Fantastic. One of these 19 is not like the other. <laughs> you have the least expensive house on a very expensive block. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Okay, you know what? We're going to take a quick break to hear about our sponsor. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about other things. Today's show is sponsored by Pros. This is kind of, I feel like, you know... I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, Um, Like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun 
little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, the other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, mm, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that, but we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, And this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness for like many years because when I saw this cleanser I was like oh is this what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face that's not what I've been doing so I don't know guys and here's the thing you don't have to take my word for it in a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study um, which is like the gold standard for research studies Pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives, which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it. Just it makes common sense. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash Fake the nation um, will be taken off. That's pros.com slash fake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Uh, again, that's pros.com slash fake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash fake the nation. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things, and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app, and I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels 
unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and rocket money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with. And then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled them aside in the hallway and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door, and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like, it's so simple, and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. (laughs) So they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. They're no fuss, no mess meals. Um, They eliminate the hassle of having to prep. They're tailored to your schedule. Um, You can customize your weekly meals. Uh, with flexibility, you can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've, pa- I've both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. And look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 and use the code Fake the Nation 50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code Fake the Nation 50 at factormeals.com slash Fake the Nation 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. And we are back. Now let us move on to topic number 18. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we talked. Uh, we talk about how we're tethered to our digital lives um, a lot on this show, uh, but we we haven't found any solutions. Fake <laughs> <laughs> the nation hasn't solved it yet. Um, but we read an article called "Time to Blow Up Our Always On Work Culture" by Cal Newport, um, and he basically rejects the idea that quote always on electric chatter is a good way to efficiently extract value from human minds. Um, and he talks about a couple of other ways that people are doing things. Um, just like what were your initial reactions to this piece? 
I, I was reading it while I was doing other work, so I couldn't really finish it. No, I mean, you work in an office with people. I don't. No, I, I, I don't. Oh, you Actually, don't really? We, I'd move on. We're a totally virtual office, so people are oh, wow. all around. So, But the they do use Slack. Constant Slack, constant email yeah. is the way we communicate with each other. And I, which is even worse because that means it extends to whenever you're awake, essentially. And it extends whenever you're awake. If you let it, it interrupts the kind of deeper thought work that is discussed in this article. Right. Because you end up feeling like communication is work. And even though communication is part of the work and it's also part of the socializing and part of the life and part of the culture of an organization, Mm -hmm. uh, sending a bunch of Slack messages back and forth isn't actually work and, and, or can take a lot more time than getting on the phone with someone saying, let's spend 20 minutes hashing something out. Right. And that's a little bit of what is um, easily lost. And I, I mean, this article kind of gets at, like, there is the deeper work you can do. And if you're constantly hearing chimes or you're constantly relying on back and forth email, mm-hmm. you're not getting into that deeper work. It made sense. I, I I, don't know, five hours a day, four days a week. I don't know. Yeah, let's give it a try. Let's just do five hours a day, four days a week. Why not? <laughs> the thing that was the thing that well, really no, you're conflating two things. So there's one like there's one experiment by a guy named Las Langens, um, out of a German entrepreneur who instituted a five hour workday, five days a week. Mm-hmm. And then there's Microsoft Japan that's doing a four day workday. So I love I've... that the Germans and the Japanese are like, let's get more efficient. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, that's by makes working a lot less, sense. which is actually yeah. very interesting. And, and then. Totally. Being happier so that your work day is actually more productive is also part of what is built into this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's a um, – the two things that stuck out. One is that, I mean, it's sort of a joke about the national psyches of each of those countries. But they also – they I don't think any country other than the U.S. – like even Japan is so rigid and they're so – there's a lot of formal aspects to their nature and culture. Yeah. Um, but I, you're gonna get you're gonna get added by Japanese people. Oh yeah. One. Well, listen. Ready. From I, I, it's not an insult. It feels like not all of Japan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a real Shane Gillis over here. The Japanese are so formal. They're just they're there's that's part of their culture. You know, it is what it is. Uh, e- eating and getting super fat is part of our culture. So that's uh, uh, it's uh, on the same part. But I also feel like. Uh, a culture like Japan or Germany that takes themselves very seriously, mm. they also, when they stop taking themselves seriously, they enjoy the hell out of themselves. Oh, they do. And they yeah. want to have fun when they're not working super hard. And I feel like uh, America, that original, like, Puritan, Protestant work ethic thing, we don't, uh, like, when we when we think about work, there's, like, a guilt involved in not working. And I don't mm. feel like other countries have that. Like, France is, like... You know, Spain yeah, has siestas, like, right. France has, like, you know, Wednesdays, like, kids, I remember growing up, kids, like, they have off in the afternoon, or they used to. Uh, there's just a lot more, like, eh, we don't have to work as hard. This uh, this came up uh, at brunch the other day, um, where when I used to live in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a big deal. I only mention wow, every Wow, Paris other and episode. brunch? Must be nice. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> when I lived in Paris, um, we, I, I remember, like, one of the things that some French people told me when I first got there is like, because I would be like, oh, what do you do? I would meet someone within one to two minutes. I'd be like, what do you do? And they would always be like, God, you're so American. Why do you ask that question? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So then I had to stop asking that question. So I would go to these parties or whatever because I was the kind of girl that got away at the parties. <laughs> and, um, and I would uh, like, be, they would be like, uh, bonjour, je m'appelle Jacques. And then we would start chatting. And 
I would be sweating, like not asking, what do you do? I would totally. fucking be itching my face like a fucking fiend. Like, I just want to know what you That's do. So and then and, and, and my friends were asking me, like, well, what did you guys fucking talk about? Like in those first minutes, like, what do you say? And I was like, they talked about vacation. That's, they talked yeah. about what are they going to do on the weekend? Oh, they have a long weekend because there's always a long weekend mm. looming. It's not they have so many more long weekends than we do. I like that you just described a long weekend as a bad thing. It's looming. <laughs> the ominous long weekends. <laughs> no, but it's interesting cuz like they think of, like the national conversation yes. is around what are you going to do with this long weekend? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with your upcoming vacation? And there's always like uh the the other national conversation is like are you going to do the the amazing vacation that that's on your bucket list? Like they're always talking about these kind of like big bucket list vacations. Mm-hmm. And I would say this is true at varying degrees um, on the economic spectrum. So like happened with people who didn't have money. They would talk about a long weekend, but they would talk about it more on like a picnic sense. Right. And mm-hmm. then it would happen with rich people who would talk about it in a Zanzibar sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it was fascinating. And I would be, like I said, sweating because I was, I'm so, it is very weird to go into those conversations and not know what someone does for a living. Mm -hmm. And I'd walk away and be like, I have no fucking idea what that person does. And even though I learned a lot of meaningful information about them, it almost feels like you don't know like them. Like I don't know them reason. at all. <laughs> uh, but yes. I also thought in that article, it was interesting that, that um, I think it was the German guy was suggesting not like cutting down to a five-hour workday by not emailing or uh, talking about work as much at mm-hmm. work. So that like Slack messaging going back and forth and and not having like an hour-long Slack conversation where you might be having another one at the same time or three at the same time. If you compress that into like, hey, let's just get in a room together for yeah. 10 minutes and figure out this thing. That's there's a ton of inefficiencies yeah, so they uh, block, in that type of culture. The, in that in that business, they block social media, so you can't right. get on social media in the five hours that you're working. You could just um, do it in the 19 hours that you're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would um, make me like, oh god, I'm sweating. Right. <laughs> totally. Um, meetings can only be 15 minutes long. Um, they can check email only twice a day. Right. Um, which means. You know, if you, it, it, which means they're also not sending emails mm-hmm. off hours, right? So, like, there's just no expectation that you're going to check out dinner. I feel like you'd have to also only hire people who aren't obsessed with the sound of their own voice. Because every meeting I've had that lasts longer than 15 minutes, because someone is just going on and on talking about shit that mm-hmm. does not matter. And, but maybe that would just become part of the culture. Or they would get shocked at this. <laughs> and they would be deterred well, from yeah, speaking I mean, too much. I thought the idea of like having a 15 minute, I mean, and maybe there's a timer. I mean, think, I think that that's the deterrence, right? It's just yeah. like, this is set on a timer. If we don't get this item done in 15 minutes, everyone has to disperse anyway. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not everyone's like. Everyone's going to leave. Jerry, you can just keep talking. Everyone's going to walk out of the room. <laughs> they're also, they're, they're, I mean, I think it's a great idea, and I think there's a lot of of truth to that. It does. Um, it's it's based on also trying to take out though some of like the humanness. Like if you have a meeting that's only 15 minutes, what do you do with the 10 minutes of chit chat that opens the meeting? Yeah, we exactly. talk about vacations, right? Right, right, right. Right, right, and, right, right? And not that you need it; that's not efficient. But it's it is a way that humanizes coworkers. And so now mm-hmm. you're taking away yeah. social media. You're taking away the back and forth emails. We. Um, 
I, one of my colleagues was always furious about birthday celebration email threads. Yeah. Because if I said, happy birthday, Nagin, and then you jumped in and said, happy birthday, Nagin, and then 30 people were on the email thread, he's like, if it takes you five seconds to delete that email and then it comes in 30 times, that's 150 seconds, two and a half minutes, and you over the scale. That was hours of people power spent deleting an email chain about birthdays, uh, which really is true. Funny. And yet also you should have a right to wish a happy birthday to your colleagues yeah. efficiently. I feel like, I mean, all the work situations that I've been in are kind of like writer's room mm. situations. And um, that's different. That's different mm. because that's like the whole point of that is to dick around and, and bullshit. Yeah. And yeah, then like yeah. spend then 50 minutes talking and 10 it, yeah. minutes writing or whatever. <laughs> um, but I feel like that is part of the, a work culture, but also work is like water. It just expands to fill the container that it's, or is that gas? What? Work no, yeah, is no. like water. Is it gas? It's gas. It's but, gas but, but expands I, to fill the container. But water also fills the shape of, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> anything that's not solid. I don't solid. like this metaphor. Stop it. This is, But this is something you could talk about at work for an hour with a bunch of people yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to figure <laughs> out who remembers science. and then. But also it does. It makes work less, um, it makes it work a time where you can like enjoy working because you talk to people and you get. Uh, the enjoyment of like, oh, we're talking about funny things that you, you know, like water cooler moments. They happen at work. They right. don't happen at home. I mean, I think that's home. the whole thing around the golfing excursion, in, yeah. you know, you with golfing? men. No, but you know what? My first job when I was a consultant, um, and, and it's so funny because I made money like the first real job I had and then became a comedian and then made no money for like <laughs> many years. So, but in that first, but there, I, I think I was there for like, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. Um, and uh, there was always like dudes that went golfing. I mean, because there is something about bonding between, I was not invited to those because yeah. I was not in that. I didn't have cultural fit when mm -hmm. it came to golfing, golf outings. Um, but uh, I also got paid less than the men, I found out. <laughs> okay, so $5,000 less a year. Okay. Um, <laughs> to be excluded from golf outings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be excluded Honestly, I might pay 5000 bucks to not have to golf. So. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's Done. in the control room like, that's okay if you have to miss golf. It's <laughs> really um, funny. And, uh, yeah, so I think, uh, what was my fucking point? About racism the... and sexism in our system? It's, yeah, there's that. that was Water a, cooler that was chat. Like a, a new book called Brown oh. Women Don't Golf. <laughs> <laughs> now it was that. that, that the I'd work. love to announce right here, there's, right now, <laughs> uh, my new book. Um, there's a, that there's an informal nature to work sometimes. There's, there's something out, about yeah. right the, the professional development that is that personal nurturing personal relationships. Uh, it helps like make things, and I we see that in Mad Men with the clients, right? Yeah. Like you have to take the clients. Everybody out. I know who's in some sort of sales or advertising or uh, you know. Anybody who has clients, yeah, you take your clients out and you, you know, schmooze with them, and it's like a writer's room. You spend ninety percent of your time not talking about business, and then you close it, with, right? You know, ten percent, and that's. But you know, that's also like relationships. It is, it is the humanity of it, um, right? But that also could but, be, if you choose to do that, that it also could be fun for you. You know, I also think like you know, in a five-hour workday. You can still get a 20-minute schmooze, like a 20-minute chitty chat at the water cooler. Like, I don't think yeah. we have to be so 
and I don't, I don't think Lars Guggenstein or whatever his name, Ryan Gans, um, is 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 being that prescriptive with with what he what with what they're trying to do with yeah. that experiment. Um, would that would that make rush hour at two o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> if it was a five hour workday. Yes. That would be severely disorienting. That'd be great. That's then and then you nap. Then you do a European oh my God. nap. I am so I could not be a bigger fan of napping after lunch. Oh, it is huge. the best. It's wonderful. And you get tired after you eat lunch. Yeah, your body needs and you're to digest. supposed to freaking nap. Your body needs to digest. The Europeans have had it right this whole fucking time. Yeah. Meanwhile, Spain has like twenty five percent unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> they like crash out of but the they EU. They have but... like more fun than we do yeah, with their twenty five percent unemployment. Um, I I also wanted to point out something that he kind of said that was maybe the larger point of Cal Newport's article was that, um, you know, he talked about how Ford started out making cars and it would take them 12 hours to like handcraft these cars because right. um, they would put them together one by one by one. And people would bring stuff from their station right. over to the spot where the car was being built. Right. So it wasn't like the car moving around. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. an assembly line and uh, and it was, and, and they thought at that time, like, isn't this great? We're getting a car made in 12 hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only 12 hours for a car? And, you know, and We Cal only need <laughs> seven. That's not a big deal. <laughs> and Cal Newport was like, that. this is the stage we're at right now, where, where Ford was at the 12-hour right. car. We think that the way we're doing things is so amazing. Oh, look, we have just constant communication. Everybody knows what's going on. I can contact Peter and Justin at any moment of the day. They can get back to me on Slack, mm-hmm. or they can slip into my DMs, or they can write <laughs> me an email, or they can text me, you know, and... Um, and we're not realizing, we haven't gotten to the point of realizing that this is actually the 12-hour car mark. Mm-hmm. And we have right. to get to that uh, where Ford ended up when they started the assembly line, a 90-minute making of a car, you know? Yeah, which is insane. Which is insane. What a fucking change. Um, and I think and I think that's right. The extent to which we don't necessarily realize we're still the guinea pigs, um, we're still working out whatever is going to be the system of the future, which hopefully involves more happiness than this one does. Yeah. I mean, happiness is never, uh, it's not like a shared national goal. I feel like there's a lot of like, we have the economic numbers and rubrics and metrics and stuff like that. There's never like a happiness. There should be like a happiness czar. (laughs) Well, which the UK has. They have a happiness. Some countries have like happiness indexes and the UK, the UK newly has a happiness are because rates of unhappiness were so high. They felt like they had to address it um, on a a public policy level. Well, it's so high. I mean, there's like the obviously, you know, this is depressing, but like death rate is up amongst. I was waiting for someone to say death rate uh, for this segment. Yeah, just like young, you know, people dying younger and mortality rate and like the the life expectancy is dipped for the first time in in years and years and years. So obviously something's going on. Something's going on. Um, All right, you guys, let me know in uh, the Fake the Nation universe what you guys think of uh, these work hours. Are you... Living in an alternate work hour situation, please let me know on the social medias, but only do it when you allow yourself to go on social media. <laughs> Hopefully, it uh, it's only 19 hours of yeah. the day that you go on social media. So, you guys, uh, that's the end of our show. How do you feel? A little better. <laughs> I was going to say sad, sad to say goodbye. Oh, that's sweet. I'm uh, glad that we can do this show efficiently in an hour <laughs> and not last eight hours, you know, with all the talking in between and everything. You edited out the chit chat. How much would we left for the show? 
I know. All Welcome to Fake the Nation. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter, where do you want people to find you and follow all the stuff that you do? I'm uh, at Peter Gross uh, on um Twitter and Instagram. Why don't you give that a nice spell? G R O S like Sam, Z like zebra. There it is. That's my traditional thing. Although sometimes I feel like whenever I'm on the phone with somebody, I'd be like G like grapefruit, R like raconteur, <laughs> O like Oscar winner, <laughs> Julia. <laughs> I don't know. Just pick crazy things. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yes, please follow him and all the stuff that he does. He's so funny. Um, and, you know, you're going to see him in Miss Maisel. Ms. Maisel. Ms. Um, And you're going to see, and you can see him on uh, Living With Yourself, By Yourself. Mm-hmm. Living With Yourself. Living With <laughs> The only problem with the title of that show is that the preposition. I get it confused. Yeah. Yeah. Living uh, Under Yourself. Living, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Living Beside Yourself. Um, Justin Krebs. You're running for city council for the elections here in New York City in 2021. How can people get involved in your campaign if they are so inclined? Sure. And what it council district? Uh, so the name is Krebs, K-R-E-B as in boy, S as in South. Not as exciting as Rock and Tour. B uh, as in bubbling. Botulism. <laughs> S as in serendipity. Uh, it's it th- always works, no matter yeah, what yeah, word yeah. you pick. <laughs> so Justin Krebs, it's the 39th district uh, in Brooklyn, which is Park Slope, Windsor Terrace, Kensington, parts of Carroll Gardens, parts of Cobble Hill, uh, parts of Gowanus. And you can check out justin2021.org. Um, kind of like when Joe Biden was like, check out Joe at 3-4. Oh, my God. <laughs> So Justin just or JustinKrebs.com. Uh, and if you want to get involved politically in 2020, you can check out MoveOn.org. And we're working on everything. I've heard oh, of that. They're working on everything. Love MoveOn. Um, and also, I want to point out, Justin, you didn't mention this aspect of your campaign, but you can donate to Justin's campaign. Um, and one of the great things that I don't know that everybody knows is that your campaign contributions, if you live in New York City, um, are matched at eight to one, it's the a part of the wonderful campaign finance program we have here um, in New York, which is honestly an example for the entire country. Whenever they talk about campaign finance reform at a federal level, they refer to the program here in New York. Um, I used to work there as a policy advisor, so Ooh. I know a little something about it. But I do believe in it, uh, and uh, and I and it, I I get a I just got a jolt of pleasure knowing that um, I could have. I could donate, you know, twenty dollars. That it would be, it, it would be become one hundred and eighty dollars. Good math, and that well, I am going to vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that it means that people who don't necessarily have access to all sorts of money bags, rich people, can still run. And yeah. that's uh, one of the fantastic things about, um, you know, politics in New York City. And they got paid neither by me nor by the no, campaign by finance no. board to <laughs> no, get that no, plug, which no, is incredible. No, I don't get paid ever for. <laughs> anything. Let's just, uh, no. um, all right, you guys, um, you guys know where to find me and all the things that I do. Um, uh, oh, one last plug that again has nothing to do with me. There is a game show or sorry, a tabletop game called Super Packs, the game of politics about the game of politics. It's a really fun and ridiculous card game, um, for two to four players where each player becomes an unattractive and sinister leader trying to assemble a coalition <laughs> of special interests to win elections or to buy investments or just generally to rise to power. Um, It's so 
fun and just ridiculous and detailed. And there's so many, um, there's the, the deck of cards is just ridiculous. Uh, and I really recommend it. So please Google Super PAC to the game of politics about the game of politics. Again, I'm going to point out that I am in one of the cards. Oh. <laughs> Again, I had nothing to do with this. I have nothing to do with this. But I am like just pictured as um, Muslims, as like one of the special oh, so interest funny. groups. <laughs> so you're just, are these are these pictures of you in both of these things you've plugged? Illustrations of me. Illustrations, illustrations of me. Um, two so different anyways, illustrations. Two different illustrations. Wow. I know. I didn't. Why? It doesn't matter. But Someone's super packed. The game of politics. For Muslim Christmas this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And you know, uh, yeah, you know where to find me and all of the things. Um, but what I really want to do is I want to thank the people who make Fake the Nation possible. That's our producer, Anita Flores. Hello, Anita. She's on our first show today. Um, our talented audio engineer, Andy Christens. Gabby Alter wrote our theme music. And Lily Fleshler helps out with research. And dear listeners, we'd love to hear from you. So send us your feedback, topics we should be chatting about, uh, guest ideas, uh, whatever you want to tell us. Just send it. Uh, or leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981. I love hearing your voices. Or drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com. Um, if you like what you hear, uh, please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. That's a real thing. All right. Thank you and good night. Good night.